Well, Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come into your presence, Lord, and before your throne, Lord, that that you do business with us, uh, legal, judicial, spiritual business with us at your throne. And so we are so thankful we're invited here. Thank you, Lord, for the word that you have for us today. Thank you, Lord, for strengthening us, encouraging us, stirring us up to action. We honor you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. And talking about pleading the blood, uh, it, it's uh, a phrase that we have used in the church, I would say the last mm, 150 years or so, where people come into a knowledge of uh, legal understanding, legal things that, that uh, need to be dealt with. Uh, you know that the Bible is a legal document. It is, um, it's God's laws governing man, governing the earth, governing everything, all of his creation. And because it's a legal document, there are, um, uh, rules, uh, penalties for not obeying the rules, sanctions, uh, all of that stuff is written into the Word of God. And so if if you don't see it as a legal book, uh, it's good to start looking at it that way. You know, this is a, um, a document that is signed in God's blood, the blood of His Son, that makes it eternally binding uh, on God's part and on man's part. Amen? On the part of whoever partakes in it. It's eternally binding to the, the, to creation, the sun and the moon, the stars. All of that is held up because of this one covenant. And so when you think about it that way, you realize you were, we're, we're privy to, um, information, understanding, all of that, that, that is, um, quite remarkable. It's, it's very remarkable that God would give us like the inside scoop on what's going on uh, in his heart, in his mind, the way he thinks about us, the way what he wants us to accomplish. All of that uh, comes through a knowledge of his word and understanding of his word. Uh, so you can't get too much understanding of God's word. You can't get too much Bible learning. You can't get too much a reading of, of, you know, legitimate material that people have studied and read and God released them to uh, put their words in print. You know, I'm not saying everybody who writes a book and says God told them to do it, uh, you know, that's, <laughs> that's not always true. You see, it's so, it, it's so inexpensive nowadays to publish books. It's easy to do. So we got a lot of self-publishers out there. So, you know, we just have to wade through more material to find out who's who and what's what. But there are some really good authors out there and there are some who don't have a whole lot to say, but, but sometimes God will give a person one revelation that'll take the world by storm. So you just don't know. So you, you need to, uh, I say that to say, never stop learning. Amen. Never stop learning. Never stop being hungry for the things of God. Because when you get to heaven, you don't want to be in preschool. You know they have different grades there, did you? Amen, they do. You want to be in there where God can say you studied to show yourself approved to me. You did what 
I told you to do with my word. You've been faithful. Well done, good and faithful servant. And, and then he can put you in a, a level befitting of what you accomplish down here on earth. It all adds up. This is one life, folks. You don't just jump into heaven and all of a sudden it's all different. No, it's a continuation of your spirit. What's in your spirit now will get translated over into your eternal life. Uh, when the work that you do for God, you know, find out what he wants you to do and get about doing it. That work is, is counts to your account or it's deducted from you if you fail to do it. You know, God look at you and say, well, I told you to go pass out tracts or I told you to uh, do this or do that in the church and why didn't you do it? You see what I'm saying? And he holds us accountable, folks. This is, this is not just an automatic thing. You, you gotta earn your, your chops here in the things of God. And, and, uh, and I say that to, to scare you and to warn you. Don't just sit up and wonder what you're saved for. You should know by now. Should be in the midst of things. You should be more devoted. The older you get, the more devoted you become to God. You know, that's, that's, you just have to grow in that. And so it's a good thing to always hold that out as something that you know God has in store for you. He wants you uh, learning. He wants you growing. He wants you understanding. The things that you desire from God are just the hook to get you interested. In the main thing, the main thing is that he can cause you to conform to the image of his son in every way. Amen. In character, in activity, in desire, in your heart. In your mind, he has all that. That's called conversion. He wants everybody converted so that he can set you into this earth and know you'll accomplish and you won't fail. And so that's what we have to always keep in mind. There is a work for us to do down here from for him, and, and we need to be about doing it. It's not the other guy's job to do it all the time. It's our job. Amen. So so that being said, we, we want to talk about, Pleading the blood and what that means and what the blood covenant is all about. So um, there's lots of different places you can start to to plow into this, but we need to understand that because this is a legal document, the throne room of heaven is also a courtroom. Amen. It's not just a place where you go and say, ooh, ooh, I'm in the throne room and, you know, come out the same. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a place of judgment. It's a place of mercy. It's a place where cases are tried. Amen. And, and, uh, disposed of. And so God is the judge of all. We can't ever take that away from, a, of, from him. He's in charge of this whole world. I don't care what the devil says and what his people seem to think they can get away with. God sees everything. He, he knows everything. And he, you know, there'll come a time in everybody's life where God just knocks on your shoulder and says, Hey, I'm, I'm here to add up what you've done. And add up what you haven't done. And, and we're weighing you. Amen. Isn't that what he said to, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's son? I think it was when the finger on the wall wrote, <laughs> if I saw that man, I would be 
You know what I'm saying. You fall on your knees, you you know something's going to happen. But we have that experience all the time. God, the burning of the Holy Spirit begins to write God's word in our hearts. Amen. And, and what God expects. And uh, he told him, he says, you've been weighed in the balance and you're a little light, brother. You know, you're a little light on your performance for me. And that was his judgment. It was over for him. And so there comes a time God judges. You got to understand that about God. He has a right to judge. This blood that was shed for the sins of the world gives God the right to judge. Amen. And so, and because he's God, but, but everything that he does is done legally. It's done according to his covenant, and it's done according to the counsel of his own will and the counsel of heaven. So you need to understand that the the devil, uh, his job really is to accuse the people of God day and night. Now, it's an accusation. When it's when it's against the people of God, it's an accusation. When it's against sinners, it's the truth. Sinners are guilty, so they don't have to go to court for anything. They don't have to enter a plea. We enter a plea because our sins have been paid for. And so when when anything comes toward us that is not of God, it comes as an accusation of the devil against us. Amen? Where he wants to bring up your old life. He wants to bring up charges. He wants to say you're this, you're not that. You you you're not really saved. You know, when you hear those little sounds in your head or you you get embarrassed because you got to go to God and say, "God, look, I messed up. I don't know how I got involved in this and messed this up, but here it is." Amen. So so this this accusation comes as an attack against your conscience. It comes as an attack against your your well-being, against your life, against your plans, against your obedience, against all of that. But it also comes as an attack against the blood. And this is what you have to realize, that it's, the devil's not really attacking you. He's really attacking the thing that, that you rest your hopes on, you rest your salvation on, the thing that backs you up, the thing that gives you access, the things that, the thing that paid for everything. So it's not, it's not personal anymore. Once your blood bought, it, it becomes an accusation against the blood. And, and that's what you really got to understand. So if you're still wrestling with this, this, mind uh, set that, that people have sometimes well i should have done this and I, well, I don't know why well god won't help me because i did so just stop it because it's not about you anymore once your blood bought is is begin it's the devil in jesus that that's the contenders amen you just move yourself out of the way amen don't make yourself so prominent all the time you know my mother used to say if you learn to shut your mouth you wouldn't get in so much trouble you got me? Just be invisible. Just don't be there. Don't be present. Amen? And and so this is what we have to understand. So when you plead the blood, what we call pleading the blood, you enter a plea. That means that you no longer take responsibility. Amen? You did it, but you're not responsible. 
that's good news to me. I don't know about anybody. But, you know, religious people don't like that. You know, a lot of times you can gauge your religion on how you react to certain concepts of grace. You know, we're not talking about something that that you stole. It wasn't paid for. It was paid for. The fact that you have faith in it gives you the free gift of grace to receive it. Amen. So it's not like you're you're not doing your part. You got to do your part in this. You've got to put everything that you have into believing God. And so so when you when you do that, that's the price we pay. We pay the pay the price of faith. Amen. You pay it with your spirit. You pay it with with days where you would everybody else is watching stupid television and you're you're trying to find some historical christian stuff so that you can get a better understanding of the church and how the church was formed and what what we're here for that kind of stuff so when you start paying the price with your spirit and letting your spirit grow and letting your spirit expand then you have every right to to by faith receive the things that god has for you you know, don't don't be content sitting on the sidelines all the time. Get involved. It, it doesn't take much these days to get involved in building your spirit, and so that when the accuser comes, you have something ready made for him. Amen. You have the blood of Jesus, and in the more you believe it, the bolder you are about declaring it. And not trying to, to answer the devil when he tells you, oh, well, the reason you got high blood pressure is you eat too much this and you eat too much. No, uh-uh, devil. No. I, the blood, I plead the blood on this one. The blood answers for me. Amen? I don't have to give you a reason why nothing's going on in my life. See, if we understand how to, to stay in righteousness, stay in that and behind the shield of faith, but you gotta pay the price to get there. You just can't grab something and, and start quoting it and think it's gonna work for you. It's hollow words. And the devil knows if you believe it or not. Know how he knows? By your reaction when he accuses you. You know, if you start going, oh lord, uh, huh? <laughs> you better enter your plea. Amen. And, and quit messing around here. So, so go to Job chapter one, because there's a good example there about a righteous man and see yourself in Job's spot. He's a righteous man, but he's, he gets entered into the arena of accusation. Amen. He's in the arena of accusation. And he says here, um, uh, He's got all this substance, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay, so in one verse seven, verse six. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Amen. So he's he's there because he's the God of this world. He has access to go to the throne because we live down here. And, and we're, our blessings have to come down to where we are, then he assumes the right to test us in whether or not we believe God. Amen? See, the testing never comes from God. Testing is allowed by God, but it's not God's idea. It's the devil's idea. And many times he's got the goods on people. You know? He knows we slack up. 
He knows what he knows who he can get. He knows who you understand what I'm saying. He knows all of that stuff. And so, so if, if you're one of those persons that that you're trying to to uh, uh, understand testing, understand that God is not tempting anybody. He's not testing anybody. But the test comes when we are uh, accused at the throne of not loving God not doing our best for him there's something that's in there is some validity and some truth to it how many of you know job had some issues and he confesses those at a later time he was considered righteous why because of the blood same thing the same reason where it because there is there has been a penalty paid for his sins you can tell that because he goes to the altar. He offers sacrifices to God. And he, he's a godly man. He's not righteous for no, just cause, just because. He's righteous because he follows through on obedience to God. He's consecrated to God. It appears that Job either was a judge, an elder, or some kind of minister for God because the things that the, you pick up these little things in these conversations, he says, he says, when there was a time where men would stand when I would enter the gate. Now, what does that mean? That's a place of honor. And then the, the Bible says God turned his captivity when he prayed for his friends. Well, you don't pray back in them days without offering a sacrifice. So he was a priest as well. So so these are the things, and these things he laid down. Why? Because of his misery. He could, felt he couldn't do them anymore. People always tell you, they'll say things to people like Dottie Rambo. Remember she had all those back issues and stuff like that? And and people would tell her, Dottie, get up off the bed. If you start singing again and ministering again, you will be healed. She got that word from so many different ministers. And as long as she was up singing, she felt good. But as soon as she would stop the singing, that that pain would start attacking her again. You understand what I'm saying? And, but see, if it lifts during that time, it'll lift again if you keep working with it, you know? And so there, there are remedies that come when we obey God and be what I call godly useful in the earth. Amen. You gotta be godly useful down here. And, and God will take, cause he, he saved you for a purpose. You gotta be fulfilling that purpose in order to live in the reality of the goodness of God. Amen. And so here Job is and, and the, uh, Satan came also with them and the Lord said to Satan, where are you coming from? Satan said, uh, from going to and fro in the earth, walking up and down in it. Okay. He's Lord of the earth. He knows he can do that. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him in the earth in a perfect and upright man, one that fears God and hates evil. And Satan answered the Lord and said, does not Job fear you for nothing? In other words, he's got an easy life. Be careful when you have an easy life. Amen. Because that easy life, it, it can, it can prep you for uh, great things or it can, see, if you keep the same, if you're a diligent person and you, you serve God with all of your heart, trouble comes, you keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. It doesn't phase you, it doesn't bug you. But what the enemy is trying to do with all of us is see if he can put a stop to our righteous routine. 
get you so concerned about you that you abandon service. You abandon, you know, people get in financial trouble and they start cutting back on their giving. Amen. And and if your faith is there, keep giving and give more. You know, if you can get that okay from the Holy Ghost, do that. Dig in and, and do better. Amen. Because that will be a, a, a protection and a safety against you, against further damage. Amen. Sometimes you got to stop everything and reassess it and say, God, what can I do here? I'm, I'm, you know, you don't want to cut back because you know the blessing of giving. Amen. But you, you might have to do it for a season until you can see your way clear and that there's nothing wrong with that. You get a strategy from God. Amen. It just depends on how bad the damage is. But get to the point again where you can start being a free giver like you always have been. Amen. And God will honor that. He honors all of that. And he says, God told God, Job, Job fears you for nothing. Because he's got it easy. He said, you have you made a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You know how the devil knows? Because he's been trying to break through and can't get through. Amen? So he knows he got a hedge of protection around him. And you have blessed the work of his hands and his substance and increased the land. Now, the devil watches everything. you got to know that. He's got a file on everybody, folks, especially the righteous. He keeps up with us so he can see where to get in, see a little crack somewhere, a little weakness somewhere, and see if he can get in there. That's that's why he has so much information on Job. He said, but put forth your hand now and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. So that's the accusation. If Job doesn't have everything he wants, he won't serve you. He's serving you, God, just for the goodies. Amen. So this is how we go on trial. We all go through this. Because when you God starts blessing you and, and life is easy, you feel like, boy, nothing nothing can harm me. I'm invincible. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Everything's wonderful. You know, or, you know, I could have a little more here, a little more there, a little tweak this a little bit, God. You know, that's but pretty much your life is is secure and you're content and all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden you start getting the pain or you start getting this or you start getting that. Amen. And you find out there's difficulty. Well, why did that come to you? It came because the enemy's accusing you of just wanting to serve God because he takes care of you. You don't have to have as much as Job had. I doubt if any of us are that wealthy in God. But but you got to understand his wealth, what God wants people to see is your wealth will not will not uh, insulate you from difficulty. So if you've been trusting in your wealth, see, it's easy for your heart to drift over and start trusting in the natural. The reason Abraham had to put Isaac on the altar was because Isaac was meaning more to him than he he should have. See, when God says, now that I know you would not withhold your only son from me, I'll make the sacrifice. He had to see that Abraham was willing to sacrifice what he loved dearly. And this is the way it is with all of us. You know, love of things will creep in, creep in on anybody. You know, we, we, you can never insulate your heart from, from that kind of stuff totally. Try as you might. You want to. You, know, you want to close every door. If it's not material things and it's something else, it's 
you know, children, friends, grandchildren. With some Christians, is there, you know, uh, I'm a Q, I'm a Alpha, I'm a, you know, all these sorors and brothers and all that. I mean, you know, people, it's easy to get stuff twisted and and go off the deep end. Where pretty soon God gets pushed to the back burner, and and what you what else you're doing comes to the forefront. So we get guilty of it all the time. So it's not like anybody is above accusation. We all need a little roasting here every now and then. You understand what I'm saying? Mostly the Holy Spirit can take care of it through convicting our hearts when we get over the line. And we repent. And, you know, God, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I got to put that aside, Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm liking that too much, more than I'm, I'm looking to you. And so many times those things are taken care of like that. But then there are times where we have to what we call go through. You know, you'll be tested on some things, whether or not you're going to trust God in it. Sometimes we don't realize how much we're trusting in our own, our own things, you know, our own ability, et cetera, et cetera. Or you go off and somebody will start getting in your ear and giving you advice and you find out they're talking to you too much. God wants to be the one that, God's a jealous God, folks. And so we, we got to understand that any, this stuff happens to Christians all the time. This is not unused. This is no condemnation against Job. This is not, Job is normal. Okay. He's just rich normal. Amen. So most of us can't, can't understand it, but he's very rich, rich normal. And so this is how it happens. This is how we get into heaven's court. Amen. Through the accusation of the devil and it must be answered. In the court of heaven, you have a lawyer, you have a judgment seat and you have a judge. God the Father is the judge of all. Amen. He's the father of all and he, he has that position. Jesus Christ then becomes your advocate when you plead the blood. Amen. Because what you are doing, the plea you are entering is like no contest. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm not fighting it. I'm not saying I did and I'm not saying I didn't. I plead the blood. So I want y'all to talk to the blood to find out about me. The devil has no right to talk to you unless you're crazy enough to sit up and have a conversation with him and answer him. But refer him to your lawyer all the time. Lord, my plea is the blood. Devil, my plea is the blood. You you can say all you want to that I'm sick because I misused my my body and, and it defiled the temple. You know all them religious phrases people have. You know, they get stuck in your head, and before you know it, you start believing that kind of stuff. Amen? You can't defile the temple of God. You're not powerful enough. You're blood-bought. What do you have that can contaminate your body enough that Jesus can't eradicate it? Amen? If you're eating too much, he can wire your mouth shut. You understand what I'm saying? There's ways God, if, if it's that bad and it's that bad from him, for him living inside of you, he got ways to clean it up, folks. Don't, don't pay him, play him cheap. But in the meantime, we need to quit worrying about so much stuff and trying to put it under our control and trying to, trying to hold, handle so much and control so much stuff. You know, they get, to ask God to have patience with you. 
while you you straighten up some attitudes and straighten up some habits and stuff like that. He will have patience with you. He will help you. He'll give you an answer, give you a strategy, and and fix stuff up so quick it'll make your head spin. Amen. And you've been struggling it for years with it for years, and he's got an answer right there, just like that. Amen. Why? Because that's his job. This is his job to help us. He's our advocate. He's the one who goes to bat for us. Amen. He helps us. So the accusation of the devil against Job is the same thing we get. Yeah, you giving them all this stuff. Look at how easy they have it. Every time they ask it, look at that. Every time she prays for something, it's there on her doorstep before she get up off her knees. You ever wonder why sometimes when we start feeling good about it, amen, and you should feel good about it because you've mastered something, but you can't feel so good about it that you start skipping your devotion to God and don't understand he's the one that makes it available because he can lift that anointing in a second and you're praying dry prayers, amen. So so we need to, to totally understand the grace of God. We need to totally understand the the uh, provision in the the um, the protection of God, the hedge around our things. Sometimes, you know, you'll be praying Psalm ninety one, and it's working real good. You know, you start commanding clouds to to move off from over your property and for it to stop raining just because you just got your car washed or whatever, and you see God is with you and it works, and you say, Wow. You know, God doesn't care. Faith is faith. If it's a big thing or a little thing that you want moved, he don't care. He'll honor your faith. And so we we sometimes marvel at, at the things that God is doing, but we don't realize that those things are through his grace through faith. Your faith does not work independent of God. It works through God. Your faith moves God to do certain things. And so when we... When we uh, get into the testing like i said we might have symptoms that don't move quickly god will be merciful give you a natural remedy for it it's just a stopgap remedy because you keep applying the word to your situation and you're being tested as to whether you get comfortable just in natural remedy or if you'll press on into the, the realm of the spirit. Because I can tell you, if you press into the realm of the spirit, there's more than your healing that you find once you get in there. Let's say it again. If you go beyond just a natural remedy and you press into the realm of the spirit, there's more than your healing that's in there. Just like it is with everything that we need from God, I said at the beginning, your need is just the lure to get the hook in your jaw. Once he gets the hook in your jaw, then he'll find, he'll begin to show you the real reason that you had the affliction. And that was so that he could get you into seclusion with him so he can reveal to you greater things. You see people like Brother Hagen, he's, you know, he was bitter for years about, you know, being born, you know, with a bad heart and missing out on childhood and, and all of that kind of stuff. But if you look at what God did to him, hopefully he looks back and says it was worth it because you brought me through that light affliction. 
See, we've all got to get to that point where we, where what you went through is not the biggest trauma in your life. And where trauma doesn't get all your attention. Amen. We got to get to the point where we can look back and say, God, I was there. And at that point, that was all I was interested in was getting my healing. But I'm looking now and I see you have so much more planned for me. There was so much more that came out of that. And if you can't find that, you need to ask God to start showing it to you. God, show me some things that I can point to to say that and and get this affliction out of my mind as being the biggest thing in my life. If we don't start removing those, 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 and they become mountains, you know, that, that you gotta, you gotta start overcoming these mountains and understanding, God, I had to, I had to challenge that mountain. That mountain was there anyway. You know, everybody's born in sin and shaped in iniquity. You're, you didn't have it any worse than anybody else did. Everybody has their challenges. And so we have to get into that place where we start understanding the purpose of, of the trial and what it can bring, even though you are blood bought. Even though you plead the blood, even though you you are not responsible to pay a penalty for it, you're still going to have to faith your way through it. You're going to have to develop faith in difficult circumstances. You're going to have to develop faith in, in hard places because that faith is necessary to bring you out. You know God's with you. You're not going to quit on faith. Anybody who's really living by faith, that you don't just divorce yourself from the faith of God. You really can't. Amen. So you got to learn, like we say, you got to ride it out. Amen. You know why? You, cause you've got to see a vision at the end of this, of victory for yours. You got to see yourself coming out on top. Amen. And, and you got to understand that when these challenges come, they come to squeeze out of you stuff that God can't use. Amen. Now you're, you, you know, your, your arm, your arm becomes shorter <laughs> as you go through the, you know, that long arm you used to pat yourself on the back and rub your, honey, that little thing going to barely get up here by the time you be pulling out a nub. That pat on the back syndrome, that's the first thing to go. Amen. Yeah, you got, you had a shrink issue at the end of the trial. You could care less about taking credit for anything. And don't want to get up off your knees. Amen. That becomes your comfort zone. Amen. So, so we, we got to see that. And it's good because God, at the end of the day, it benefits you. You're the one who goes away with the trophy. You're the one who has the faith to meet and conquer the next thing that comes along. You're the one with the faith that can help God get somebody else through the finish line. You got me? And and this is all he's doing. This is how it's done. It's done through the challenge. The enemy is crazy enough to come and challenge a blood-bought child of God, knowing that God's going to bring them out stronger. Amen. There are some that are blood-bought that fumble on it and fail on it. God will drag them over the finish line. And you ever, you ever see these people that start a church when they weave little kids and stay gone throughout, you know, 40, 50 years and then creep back in there in their 70s and 60s and stuff? And God's dragging them over the finish line. He wants them to finish strong. They might have, you know, took a time out at the first test, 
but God will come right back around again. That that blood causes him to track them in the spirit. The fact that they have been blood bought, that puts a marker on you called the Holy Ghost. You're sealed by him until the day of redemption. Redemption is after you die. So he's got to drag you over the finish line at the end of life and say, well done, sister, well done. You had a lot against you, but well done anyway. You got me? And, and, and so we, these things we have to, to understand that the blood of Jesus is there to speak on our behalf, to pay for our sins, to do all of the things that it gives us such assurance with, with what we've been given in God. It's, it, it, it's a voice that, that gives us a certainty inside of us. You know, people talk about, when we talk about faith sometimes, and we talk about, oh yeah, you know, you gotta get to the point where you know that you know that you know. You ever heard that said before? People say that about, oh yeah, when you know that you know that you know. Well, that's the blood, that, that, that knowing, that's the blood. See, when the blood is all you're depending on, he talks louder. Amen? You may get into some faith initially where you know what God's going to do. But then when you get to the place where you know that you know that you know, where you're rock solid in that, that means that the blood's got all your attention now. He's in your hearing 24-7. Amen? Only because you trust in God. You're trusting in him. You're tr- You're not trusting in yourself. You're not trying to work your little business. You're not trying to do your little thing. But you're trusting totally. You put all your confidence in God. Amen? You'd be like Job. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. It seemed like the longer he stayed afflicted, the stronger he got. And see, that's not true about everybody. You know, there are Christians that if if they can't do what they want to do for 10 days, they're ready to get lost. This ain't for me. I, you know, I'm, I mean, I like church and all that. No, you don't. See, God's trying to get you to like it, but you got too much of the devil in you to really like church. You understand what I'm saying? It's just true. And so God continues to work on people like that. Amen. He'd love to work on them. He'd love to give them as much as he can, as fast as he can. And you need to know that about God. God's not the slow in your walk. He's the one who before you call, he answers. He's the accelerator. He not, he, uh-uh, he ain't putting brakes on nothing that you're asking for. He's the accelerator. But he knows that he has to do a work in you before you'll even hold on to it once you get it. Amen? We're good at getting rid of stuff when the God gives it to us. Amen? We're good at losing things. But God wants us to be able to be wise stewards of everything. You know, have that wisdom that he wants to put in us. Have that understanding of, of I got a higher purpose down here. I'm not just here collecting stuff. You know, stuff is cool. I need stuff. I got to have a home to come to. I got to have a bed to lay down in. I got to have a car to get me different places. Amen. But aside from that, there's a higher purpose to which I'm called. And see, Wisdom will get you locked into that higher purpose. Amen. It will get you locked into that. And, and Job began to recognize that, you know, slowly but surely he began to get away from 
his possessions, away from his reputation, away from, you know, what, what people were saying to him and defending himself against the accusation of the friends. You know, it's, it's the same thing as defending yourself against the devil. Amen. He'll come to you and tell you, uh, you know, the reason that, that you're having this financial trouble is because you don't give enough. The devil, you know what? You are a liar. God's grace is sufficient for me. What I'm doing, I'm doing totally by faith. Amen? And the, that faith is sufficient in every situation. Don't ever let him condemn you about anything. You know why? Because God does not condemn. He doesn't motivate us through beating us up about stuff and telling us we don't do enough of stuff. You know, you know in your heart whether how you spent your last 24 hours. Did you pray at all? Oh, well, you don't do enough of it. So that's going to be true in every any given time of the day. Not doing enough is going to be true. Amen. And that's nothing to lose your, that, that won't cause you to lose relationship with God. If anything, it should draw you closer to Him. Amen. And, and, and just let that work for you. Let that, the condemnation, let that thing work for you. Amen. Cause that voice is going to be there. I don't care what happens. The enemy's always going to throw something at us. But if your plea is a proper plea, you will plead the blood of Jesus, where, which says, Devil, I don't owe you an explanation for anything in my life. Get thee behind me. I plead the blood. So anything I'm I'm inadequate in, the blood takes care of it. Anything I'm ignorant in, the blood takes care of it. Even anything that I haven't done properly, the blood takes care of it. Amen? Because the blood is my perfection. That's my righteousness. That that cleanses me. Every time I do wrong, that cleanses me from all unrighteousness. So you don't have to confess any wrong to anybody but God. You hear me? Don't be answering these little voices and talking to people. And people want to put everybody under some kind of outer control. You know, Christians come up with some of the weirdest stuff sometimes. And, you know, you listen to the saints, you'll be all out there doing all kind of crazy stuff. Well, so and so they tried that and that didn't work. But I think if you know, I don't, I didn't come here for your thoughts. Amen. You came here to hear from God. You don't want somebody's thoughts. So anyway, in, in, whenever we are accused, that means when we have symptoms, symptoms are just a natural form of accusation. Amen. The enemy's already accusing us. Of not being worthy of walking in divine health. That's what he doesn't like. See, he hates it when you say I'm healed. You know why? Because you're talking God's language and he don't like God's language. And when you call those things that be not as though they are, that really is the strongest form of faith that you can use. When you say you have it before it shows up in the natural, that that is, it's like if you put a, 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 say for instance, you got LeBron James playing against a, a, a little kid that's maybe 10 years old and four foot 11. You got me? When you, yeah, you have the strong, when you start calling those things that you got the strong, you're like LeBron James. You can dunk all day long. And the devil's down there trying to 
they try to kneecap you and bite your knee or something like that, get you to drop the ball, and you just hold on to it and dunk continually all the time. Amen. Because he can't touch that. He knows about it because he lost it. Now it's given to us, and he knows he can't touch it. So he'll manipulate situations and circumstances to get us to doubt what we say when we call things that be not as though they are. But when you speak that way, you make a strong connection to heaven that cannot be broken. It's got to come to pass. You got me? It must come to pass. When you start speaking things that be not as though they are, you start to override your eyes, you override your ears, your eyes, your ears, your taste, your feelings. That's devil. That's the devil's realm. So when you start calling things and put yourself inside of that before it happens and you stay there and you don't waver, amen, then you put it in a realm where he can't touch you. No matter what he does to manipulate the natural realm, you keep calling yourself healed and mean it. You keep calling yourself healed and say, these symptoms must leave me in Jesus' name. My All of my manifestation will come to pass. So you slam dunk on him all day long and he cannot get the ball from you. He might play that cheap stuff with you sometimes. Well, what about, so, what about, well, if you're healed, why is it so and so? Well, devil, that's your domain. You should be telling me why you're able to do that. Why are you asking me about stuff that belongs to you? And God don't have no sickness to put on me. That's your domain. And I don't belong to you. I plead the blood. I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you are leaving here, and you know it. See, when you first started to to speak prophetically about yourself, calling things that be not as though they are, this is not some some confession. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is this has the force of faith behind it. It's it be you got to go from just merely confessing the word to prophesying over yourself. You gotta understand that you're calling forth something that is not there in the visible realm now, but you know it's out there in the invisible. You're speaking of something that's real. And you're speaking of something that really exists. So you really, you're able to look into the realm of the spirit and see yourself healed. See yourself without symptoms. See yourself with the finances you desire. See yourself with a decent house and a decent, see yourself with all of those things. See yourself out soul winning. So many people that, you know, when do we start? We get so busy seeing other stuff. We can't see the souls that God has for us to win. All we need to do is ask him to make us a labor, put people in my path, Lord. Don't be saying, I don't know where I'm going to get the time. You you ain't in charge of time. Where you going to get it from? You didn't get the first time you were given. Huh? You don't need to know where to get it from. Just call yourself a laborer. Lord, I'm your laborer. Tell me where to go. Tell me who to talk to. Tell me how to do this and when to do it. I'm here for you. You got me? Make yourself available. Stay available. 
you'll find out that little by little people start coming to your path. Works every time. You put your faith out there, it'll work. But you know what the enemy likes to keep us entertained with? How come you don't have this? And why is this like that? So you keep entertaining yourself with that kind of mindset. You won't have time to. You won't have time to do it. You'll be wondering, where I'm going to get the time from. Huh? Amen. Quit playing his game. Consistently. Call things that be not as though they are. And your mind will ask you, what about this and that? I don't need to know about that. That don't exist. I'm dead to that. Amen. And you are. You're dead to sin, alive to righteousness. Sin and all of the sickness, all the poverty, all the everything that it carries has no dominion. It's not your Lord. Your blood bought. And the blood tells you that. The blood reassures you of that. It reassures you that you have lordship over that. Amen? So it has no power over you. So you got to understand this. And you got to start sorting this out in your mind and not let your mind drift over into how you feel. You know, what, you know what's in your pocket. What's, you know, all that kind of stuff. That stuff is going to be left here when you leave. Do you understand me? So listen, start putting your mind on eternal things. Amen. Isn't that what Paul says? Keep your mind on things that are above and not below. Amen. Not beneath. So, so stay focused on that. Amen. The blood assures you that those things belong to you. So Job is tested like we all are tested. Amen. And, and then we begin to understand that there is something else working in our lives that keeps us from getting defeated in the test. See, a test is not something God puts in your life to flunk you. Amen. Don't ever see yourself succumbing to anything. You know, you when when you if you're blood bought, you're not sick. You just have symptoms. You don't have a diagnosis, you know, they, you just let them people talk. If you, if you find yourself at the doctor and they gotta examine you and go through this and go through that, before you head out there, make up your mind which one you are. You're either sick or you're healed. I believe they're gonna validate my health when I get there. They will find nothing. All my tests will be negative. You start prophesying, call those things that be not as though they are. Don't ever go in there and leave the doctors as the, you see what these people are doing to doctors? The good ones, they're stripping them of their licenses. Why? Because they're not promoting some drug that they want to sell a lot of. I mean, it's gotten down to that, folks. It's all exposed now. If you don't know this, come on now. This ain't a conspiracy theory. This stuff is happening for real. Young people, young men especially, dropping dead. Heart disease. Forced to take the jab, to keep the job, to keep to this, keep to that. You got me? So we call those things that that's the strongest level of confidence in the blood. 
that you can have. The blood allows you to do that without it, it sounding like it's not true. You keep doing it and you keep filling the atmosphere with the word of God and the truth about what, how God sees you and what he's done for you. You keep charging the atmosphere in your home, everywhere you go. I don't care where you are. You just keep charging it with prophetic word for your life. And that word begins to minister to you. It begins to take hold in you. It begins to drive disease out. It begins to set your household in order. It starts to set captives free. It be, it begins to work like that. But you got to believe it. You got to believe that stuff's coming to pass. It's not. See, when you, the difference between, between calling those things and a confession is just that. Confession is just something you say. See, this is a problem we've had in the body of Christ, but we just, we've been speaking the word, confessing the word, speaking the word, da 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 da. And it's all been like, uh, formality. Just something to say. Something to go through. Where that word is full of life and power and it's got to be declared in such a way that we know it's coming to pass. We have full faith in it. There's no doubting in it. It begins to prophesy to you. You know, if people would start declaring the word over themselves, they'd be running the prophets a lot less and eating up all this fake prophecy on, on social media. We'd, we'd pay less attention to that if we learn how to prophesy over ourselves. Amen. No devil, I'm healed. I am not sick. I am totally well. I don't need none of your stuff. Amen? Why? I'm calling those things that be not as though they are. I know it's not in the natural. Anybody knows that. I'm I'm working on getting something in here from, from heaven, folks. And the way you do it is you got to speak God's language. You can't say, I want it. Where is it at? When's it coming? You got to say, I have it already. The blood tells you that. You start listening to the voice of the blood of Jesus and you'll start speaking like God speaks. He expects us to talk his language. Amen. That's why he gives you a Bible. So you can see how he talks. You start talking like him. I think I like the way that sounds. I'm healed already. It seems like every time I say I'm sick, I get sicker. (laughs) The devil likes that because he knows you got the force of faith on your words. That works in both kingdoms, you know. God's not going to sit up and look at poor little thing. I know what she means to say. You better say it. You don't get, you don't get no pass on that one. Are you kidding me? That's, that's your faith. That's the only way faith works. It works to cut through what's not like God and make it like God. The earth was without form and void and what did God do? He spoke and it got in shape. That's all you doing in your situation, speaking and making it come in shape. And he didn't say, gee, I wish that was different or what, what, what could we make out of that? Or he said, let it happen. Darkness ain't right. I want light in here. 
And light, you get over there, and you dark, you get over here, and you calm down water, and you do this, you do. He put everything in order by calling it now. He's not calling it sometime in the future. He's calling it now. Now here's the devil. Well, if it's, if you calling it now, how come it ain't showing up? Cause you sitting on it, you dirty dog. Let it go in Jesus name. That's the other one you gotta get. You understand what I'm saying? He holding your stuff up and take, well, how come he, like, you know, little kids want to play with, what hand is it in? You let go both of them. Open both of them up, you lying thief. Taking my stuff. Don't play hide and seek with me. You don't play with me, devil. I call things that be now. You better get out the way because my healing is going to drop on your head very soon. Amen. It's the blood that makes you that bold and confident. The Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. Why? Not because we got stuff. Because we know somebody with stuff. See? And he said, use his name. He said, he stand up for you. He plead your case in the, in the throne room of heaven and use him as you're out. Use his blood as payment for anything. Anything you wreck down here, the blood pays for it. Don't be scared of tearing stuff up. Everybody's scared of penalties, making mistakes. You know, God gives you something to do and tells you to step out in faith and you stand there and stare at the door for, uh, they say like a calf at a new gate, you know, they put up some near the barrier and the cows will look at it for days before they decide it's okay to go through, you know what I'm saying? And, and, you know, we stare at it. I would go through, but suppose I mess. You didn't messed up before, and you're still here. What do you think the chances of you evaporating if you make a mistake with the intention of obeying God? Well, I just don't like them, and nobody does. We ain't here for what you like either. You're here to do the best you can with the limited understanding the limited sight, the limited knowledge, the limited wisdom that we have. If we knew it all, we wouldn't need faith. You got me? Faith, your faith is going to put you out on a limb at some point. Amen? You just can't get the low-hanging fruit all the time. Doesn't take much faith to do that. But your faith will get you out on a limb sometimes. Where you got nobody to trust but God. Amen. They come in and say you got cancer, you got this, you got that. Oh, 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 I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. It gets stronger every time you say it. God knows that bad news changes us on the inside, but he, he wants you to know you got a depth of understanding in there deposited by the blood of Jesus. It's paid for by his blood. What you have in you that you call up in your time of need is blood bought. It's blood paid for. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not weak. It won't leave you. It's not contaminated. It gives you a knowing. It lets you know that you know that you know. So that you don't talk stupid out of your mouth. Amen. And let things go crazy in your life. 
you start respecting your words. You start respecting God. You start speaking those things and you're consistent with it, no matter what it looks like in the natural. And so the blood does all that for us. It gives us that knowing. It gives us that confidence. It gives us that understanding that we know that we know that we know. The blood speaks in spiritual terms. It speaks God's language. The blood calls those things that be not as though they are. When heaven hears your plea, and your plea is the blood, you're not trying to make excuses for yourself. This is where people mess up. We always want to be responsible for them. You know, if you, you tell people, you know, uh, you know, I want you to do this and do that and do the other, they always got to make up some song and dance. You understand what I'm saying? To clear themselves. That ain't blood bought. See, the blood bought can take criticism, correction, receive it, embrace it. Why? Because that adds to what the blood has already purchased for you. It adds to it. Nobody's taking anything away from you. There's, these are things that you need to increase your integrity. We can all do that. Amen? I used to tell people all the time, I said, if you say you're going to do something, do it. If you fail to do it, make your apology real. You understand what I'm saying? Don't just say, I'm sorry and keep doing wrong. You're not sorry. And see, it it, it ain't hurting me. It's doing nothing to me. And see, what people need to do is get off of people, trying to impress people, saying the right thing in front of people, trying to look cool in front of people. Stop that stuff. What it's doing to you, though, is destroying the integrity of your words. You're trying to call something to be not as though it is, and you can't even keep your word. It don't work. You not, uh, uh. Black man, white man talk with forked tongue. We don't talk like that. Huh? James said you can't have bitter and sweet coming out the same fountain. Be one fountain and get it over with. But see, your integrity rests in the little things and the big things. There are no little things in life, folks. It's all big. And see, this is why a lot of times when you're looking for stuff to happen, it's slow to happen because you're over here lying, saying you're going to do something, don't do it, and never correct it. We might as well get this over with, okay? Because this is why it takes so long sometimes. You can't make up your mind what you want to let this thing in here to say. This is the rudder for the whole life, your whole life. This is, this is what guides it. And you gotta be a person of integrity. Don't hide from me because you know you're not keeping your word on what you, you praying that you say. I hear everybody's prayers every Saturday when I come in here. These women who are the few handful of y'all that are here pray faithfully over your life and I see what you do and you ain't following up on what they praying for in here. Well, I said it take me to jail. Why? It's integrity. 
you don't follow up. Oh, I forgot. I prayed in agreement. I want God to do this for me, that for me, and that for me. And you walked away from it a long time ago. And faithful intercessors still praying. He's still here praying for you to come into it. See, we got to get to the point, folks, where we don't just get faithful when we want money, when we want things. You got to be a person of integrity that follows through on your promise. What comes out of your mouth, you got to be faithful with that everywhere down the line. You got me? Don't overcommit yourself. If you know you don't want to do something, don't volunteer to do it. But if it keeps coming in your path, you got to ask God, change my heart, Father, so I'm not living on my want-tos. It's called Christianity. You do the right thing to your own hurt. Amen? People remind you. When you get reminded that that you said you were going to do something, you failed to do it for the 10th and 15th time, God's trying to tell you, your faith is not going to work for this other thing over here you want me to give you till you straighten that up. Oh, that's that's just so hard. Listen, I got to live it like you do. And I got more to be responsible for than you do. I got y'all to be responsible for as well. See, church ain't no plaything. This ain't, we ain't playing church. This ain't church. This is God's kingdom. This is how it works. So you want to prophesy health into your life. But if you're not, you don't have integrity where it comes to keeping your word with other things. You know, the Bible says if you make vows and pay them, Pay your vow, you can decree a thing, and it'll happen. If you're always shooting your mouth out, promising to do stuff, and don't follow through on half of it, what do you think that does when when you get ready to decree your health? You made a vow somewhere. And the answer is not to quit making vows. The answer is to ask God to help you to follow through. Lord, help me to be a person of integrity. I can come up higher in this. Parents, quit quit promising your kids so much stuff. You know what parents will do to just to shut the kid up. They say, okay, I'm going to do it. No intention to doing it whatsoever. We do that with a lot of things. Do you understand me? Just to get people off your back, you say you, you're going to comply with something. Well, now you're in the kingdom. What's God going to do with your words? So you got to make up your mind. You're going to be a person of integrity. Everybody say, God help me. Be a person of integrity. And quit lying so much. (laughs) In Jesus' name. That's the way you do it. You get out of that stuff. You know, your children keep asking for stuff. You say, baby, I really want to do that for you. But I'm just not able right now. Why don't we pray and ask God to help? See, we never follow through on the answer. We make ourselves too responsible for everything. God has an answer for everything. Amen? He really, really does. But we've got to get this thing straight. You, If you're going to talk God's language, you got to speak his language all the time. I, I wasn't talking about that. I'm talking, No, you don't talk with fork tongue. Black man, white man, no man speak with forked tongue around here. 
We're Christian people. We're citizens of, citizens of heaven. And we need to keep our word. Don't have the church praying for you to do well in a job and you walked away from it three years ago. Let's get it real, folks. You you understand what I'm saying? Nobody's helped by you throwing out prayers for us. We got stuff we could be doing besides praying for nothing. But if you're not following through and doing what God is is specified for you to do, or you want to change it, come tell somebody you're not interested in that anymore. Gee, I changed that. I, I wish you could pray for me this way. Respect these people who are trying to do something for you, trying to bring heaven into your life. This isn't just busy work, folks. This is kingdom stuff. Now, if I hurt your feelings or, you know, put your feelings back, but we could get this right. Because we're all working around here confessing everything and nothing's coming to us. Or you get a little trickle here, a little trickle there. And the what we're standing on is everywhere you look, blessings. Flowing blessings, like wine coming off, pouring off the mountains. We're, we're all standing for that. But there's a connection we gotta make to make that happen for us. We gotta start meaning what we say. We gotta let the blood start working for us instead of working out of feelings and convenience and, and, you know, lack of integrity. Let's get it together and get it together right. Amen. And, and it's, it's, you can change whatever you want to change about your prayers. You don't have to be stuck with what we're praying for you over here. We, but we need to get it together. You need to start acting like you expect it to happen. Amen? Or nothing right is going to happen. I'm begging you. Get this straight because, you know, it's important for you. Everybody wants divine health. Everybody wants prosperity, things to work right. That I mean, saved or not saved, we all want it. We have the keys. Christians, we have the keys to it. But we we got some some dummy keys on the on the ring. You know, you ever had a key ring at your house and you don't want to throw it away because it might work. Something on that key ring might be working. You understand? We don't even know how to work them all yet. Don't, then you don't have to be that way in the kingdom. Every key God gives us works for something. We got to have his character. We got to let his character develop in us so that when we start, uh, maneuvering in the spirit, then these things will start shifting in our favor because we're consistent in what we declare. We're consistent in our prayer life. We are consistent in our obedience. We're not trying to slack off here, slack off there, do a little something to impress somebody and then, you know, go away later. And you understand what I'm saying. You people of integrity, people of integrity say the same thing all the time. Amen. The blood is your witness to the things of God. The blood will give you that integrity. The blood will tell you, uh-uh, don't say that. You got to go correct that. Go talk to that person. The blood maintains your righteousness. It's not just something you just plead it and keep going. That blood gets activated in your life and starts to help you to live up to what God says about you. 
See, righteousness means right living, right thinking, right behaving, right talking, doing right everywhere, all the way down the line. There are no things that aren't worth doing right. You got me? And I ain't OCD. I'm the, that's the last thing anybody would accuse me of. Cause I can look at dust bunnies and they grow up to be rabbits and they start reproducing and having more bunnies and they don't bug me. I figure it'll be time to address the dust one day. And if not, I'll put it in my will and I'll leave it to somebody. You understand what I'm saying? But, but this is, this is something that God ingrains in people, their integrity. You got me? If, if, you know, I texted everybody last week because I left, forgot the garlic bread. Now most people say, eh, big deal. It's a big deal to me. Don't take my big deals away from me. My big deals keep my prayers getting answered. They keep my integrity before God. They keep me, see, there's nothing small. Anything he gives me to do and anything I undertake is not small. It's all important. You know, I apologize, Miss Nola, one Saturday. <laughs> I didn't have bring fruit. And she said, well, and I said, that's okay. I'll bring it next time. I forgive myself. I'll bring it. Next. See, it, it's not on her. It's not on her list. It's on my list. You got me? And I put it on there. I'm not going to lie on God and say he makes me bring fruit. And if I don't bring it, he gets on me. But I put it on there. If I don't do it, I get on me. Why? Because it's a thing with me. Integrity's a thing with me. I got to follow through all the way down the line. No excuses. Because one day, if you get comfortable with excuses, one day it's going to be a biggie. And you're not going to be able to discern if it's big, little, or whatever. In fact, we're never put in that position. You know why? God doesn't let us have that kind of information. Because the minute he tells us that's not big, we'll just run off and start doing nothing. It can be the smallest thing and you get in there and correct it and the windows of heaven open to you all of a sudden. The flood comes in. So it's all important. Amen. And I ain't OCD either. Don't tell that lie, devil. You understand what I'm saying? But but you got to be a person that follows through. You can't put things off or say something's not important. You don't know. You have no idea. But if God's got it before you, you got to follow through on it. And this is what helps your conversation. This is what helps you in heaven's conversation. When you start speaking God's language and calling things that be not as though they are, because you're a person of integrity, because you don't let, you don't call things small and let them slip and give yourself a pass because you didn't do something. You understand? Because you live like that. Then God sees that, and that counts towards your account. See, that helps you in your day of trouble, because you don't know when it's going to come and, and what's going to come. But you want to have enough integrity banked up and enough righteousness that you live out of every day, so that you can can put that demand on heaven, and you can speak that word that comes out of nowhere, that changes the complexion of everything that's going on in your life. So you want to live like that. You want to live in that breakthrough dynamic, you know, challenge and, and the challenge reverses suddenly. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? Because God knows that he can trust you with his word. And he'll put anointing on that. That will bring that thing into manifestation quicker than it'll make your head spin. Amen. That's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for just barely getting by. I'm not looking for just, eh, no matter, eh, don't be that way. You got too much of God in you to act like that. Jesus didn't act that way. When, when his mother came to him and said, these drunks is out of wine. He didn't count to see who drank too much, who drank the most. Oh, you, oh, who bought, who invited Babe Rudd and them over here? That, that's where all the wine went. Did you lock up the hard liquor? Cause he'd get in that too. He didn't judge anybody on anything. All he did was tell his mother his hour had not come. Well, his hour came in a minute because before you knew it, he was involved. Amen? Just that quickly, his father spoke to him to do this. That's just how quick it can happen with you. One minute you thinking this isn't your situation, the next minute God drops a word on you and you start operating in obedience to it. Amen? And and that's how his ministry got started, with that miracle. And he thought it wasn't his time. You got me? How many of y'all think it ain't your time for certain things? It, it That can drop on you just that quickly. Amen? Because Jesus had the integrity. Once he heard from his father, he knew what to do. He said, get up and get into action. It doesn't matter how the wine got messed up. It doesn't matter. And really... To be honest with you, what they believe he was speaking of was that he was not, uh, he was a guest that was like down the line. When they made a guest list, there was the governor of the feast. Remember him? He got to taste it first. And then there was, his mother was probably somebody responsible for provision there. But he wasn't. They said he was invited and the disciples too. So they might have been the add-ons at the bottom of the list. Amen? So it wasn't his position to get up and go do anything about any. He said, no, it's not my, my hour. In other words, I'm not in line for that right here in this wedding. See? And so he wasn't expecting to have to provide anything. But his father knew what it was time for. No, this ain't about wine. This is about something else. Amen? If we could get that through to us, it's not about what we, it ain't what we think it's about. Very often it's not. It's about something else. And in, in this, this, in this ministry is always about building your faith, building your confidence in God, building your resources, building your lifestyle around your faith and around the things of God. That's all I'm trying to get across to y'all. You understand what I'm saying? Don't do it because I say I do things certain. Find your own place of testing integrity in your life and find out what God's working in you. Learn how to be consistent so that when that day comes that you need to speak a word into your situation that's going to flip it around in an instant. Just like Jesus turned the water in, in an instant, it was over for the drought at the party and now everybody's having a good time you got me this is what you want but it won't happen until we take care of these things related to integrity 
just the things you think aren't related to your healing are very much related. Ask God what they are. He has a plan for you to get everything in line so he can put that anointing on your words that's going to change it, going to take the whole ship and turn it in glory direction. Amen? All right, why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us with your word. Lord, we thank you that integrity is in us. We just have to release it more. We want to release it more because it is the key to our prophetic confession over our lives. It is the key to us changing the natural to the supernatural. It is the key for us bringing heaven down here on earth. It's the key for us to bring that manifestation of your glory right into our situation. So we thank you for that, Lord. We honor you. We bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. I'll pray for anybody that wants prayer.